Chapter Twelve of the Humbugs of the World. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Magdalena Cook. The Humbugs of the World by P. T. Barnum. Spiritual Letters on the Arm. How to Make Them Yourself. The Tambourine and Ring Feats. Dexter's Dancing Hats. Phosphorescent Oil. Some Spiritual Slang. Chapter 12 The mediums produce blood-red letters on the arm, in a very simple way. It is done with a pencil or some blunt-pointed instrument, it being necessary to bear on hard while the movement of writing is being executed. The pressure, though not sufficient to abrade the skin, forces the blood from the capillary vessels over which the pencil passes, and where, when the reaction takes place, an unusual quantity of blood gathers and becomes plainly visible through the cuticle. Gradually, as an equilibrium of the circulation is restored, the letters pass away. This manipulation is generally produced by the medium in connection with the ballot test, having learned the name of an investigator's spirit friend, in the manner stated in a previous article, the investigator is set to writing some other names. While he is thus occupied, the medium quickly slips up his sleeve under the table and writes on his arm the name he has learned. Try the experiment yourself, reader. Hold out your left arm, clench the fist so hard as to harden the muscle a little, and write your name on the skin with a blunt pencil or any similar point in letters say three-quarters of an inch long pressing firmly enough to feel a little pain rub the place briskly a dozen times this brings out the letters quickly in tolerably distinct red lines on thick tough skins it is difficult to produce letters in this way they might also be outlined more deeply by sharply pricking in dots along the lines of the desired letters among others who seek to gain money and notoriety by the exercise of their talents for spiritual humbuggery is a certain woman whom I will no further designate, but whose name is at the service of any proper person, and who exhibited not long since in Brooklyn and New York. This woman is accompanied by her husband, who is a confederate in the playing of her little game. She seats herself at a table which has been placed against the wall of the room, the audience is so seated as to form a semicircle, at one end of which, and near enough to the medium to be able to shake hands with her, or nearly so, sits her husband, with perhaps an accommodating spiritualist next to him. Then the medium, in an assumed voice, engages in a miscellaneous talk, ending with a request that someone sit by her and hold her hand. A sceptic is permitted to do that. When thus placed, sceptic is directly between the medium and her husband, and with his back to the latter. The husband plays spirit, and with his right hand, which is free, the other only being held by the accommodating spiritualist, pats the investigator on the head, thumps him with a guitar and other instruments, and maybe pulls his hair. The medium assumes all this to be done by a spirit, because her hands are held and she could not do it. Profound reasoning. If anyone suggests that the husband had better sit somewhere else, the medium will not hear to it. He is part of the battery, and the necessary conditions must not be interfered with. Sure enough, accommodating spiritualist also says he holds husband fast. A tambourine frame without the head and an iron ring, large enough to pass over one's arm, are exhibited to the audience. 
Medium says the spirit have such power over matter as to be able to put one or both those things onto her arm while someone holds her hands. The party who is privileged to hold her hands on such occasion has to grope his way to her in the dark. Having reached her, she seizes his hands and passes one of them down her neck and along her arm, saying, Now you know there is no ring already there. Soon after, he feels the tambourine frame or ring slide over his hand and onto his arm. A light is produced in order that he may see it is there. When he took her hands, he felt the frame or ring, or, at any rate, a frame or ring, under his elbow on the table, from which place it was pulled by some power just before it went onto his arm. Such is his report to the audience. But in fact, the medium has two frames, or else a tambourine and a tambourine frame. She allows the investigator to feel one of these. She has, however, previous to his taking her hands, put one arm and head through the frame she uses, so that, of course, he does not feel it when she passes his hand down one side of her neck and over one of her arms, as it is under that arm. Her husband pulls the tambourine from under the investigator's elbow, then the medium gets her head back through the frame, leaving it on her arm, or sliding it onto his, and the work is done. She has also two iron rings, one of them she puts over her arm and the point of her shoulder, where it snugly remains, covered with a cape which she persists in wearing on these occasions, till the investigator takes her hands, in the dark, and feels the other ring under his elbows. Then the husband disposes of the ring on the table, and the medium works the other one down onto her arm. The audience saw but one ring, and the person sitting with the medium thought he had that under his elbow, till it was pulled away and put on the arm. Some years ago, a man by the name of Dexter, who kept an oyster and liquor saloon on Bleecker Street, devised a somewhat novel exhibition for the purpose of attracting custom. A number of hats placed on the floor of his saloon, danced, or bobbed up and down, in time to music. His place was visited by a number of the leading spiritualists of New York, several of whom were heard to express a belief that the hats were moved by spirits. Dexter, however, did not claim to be a medium, though he talked vaguely of the power of electricity when questioned with regard to his exhibition. Besides making the hats dance, he would, apparently, cause a violin placed in a box on the floor to sound by waving his hands over it. The hats were moved by a somewhat complicated arrangement of wires, worked by a confederate out of sight, these wires were attached to levers, and finally came up through the floor, through small holes hidden from observation by the sawdust strewn there, as is common in such places. The violin in the box did not sound at all. It was another violin under the floor that was heard. It is not easy for a person to exactly locate a sound when the cause is not apparent. In short, Mr. Dexter's operations may be described as only consisting of a little well-managed dexterity. A young man out west, claiming to be influenced by spirits, astonished people by reading names, telling time by watches, etc., in a dark room. He sat at a centre table, which was covered with a cloth in the middle of the room. Investigators sat next to the walls. The name of a spirit, for instance, would be written and laid on a table, when, in a short time, he pronounced it. To tell the time by a watch, he required it to be placed on the table or in his hand. With a tablecloth over his head, a bottle of phosphorated oil enabled him to see. 
when not the least glimmer of light was visible to others in the room. If any of the spiritualist philosophers were to be asked what is the philosophy of these proceedings, he would probably reply with a mess of balderdash pretty much like the following. There is an infinitesimal influence of sympathy between mind and matter, which permeates all beings, and pervades all the delicate niches and interstices of human intelligence. This sympathetic influence working upon the affined intelligence of an affinity coagulates itself into a corporiety, approximating closely to the adumbration of mortality in its highest admensuration, at last accumulating in an accumulation. On these great philosophic principles, it will not be difficult to comprehend the following actual quotation from the spiritual telegraph. In the twelfth hour, the holy procedure shall crown the triune creator with the most perfect disclosive illumination. Then shall the creation in the effulgence above the divine seraphimal arise into the dome of the disclosure in one comprehensive revolving galaxy of supreme created beatitudes. That those not surcharged with the divine afflators may be able to get at the meaning of the above paragraph. It is translated thus. Then shall all the blockheads in the nincompoop dome of disclosive procedure above the all-fired leather fungus of Peter Nefninigo, the gooseberry grinder, rise into the dome of the disclosure, until co-equaled and co-existensive and conglomerate lummoxes in one comprehensive mux shall assimilate into nothing, and revolve like a bobtailed pussycat after the space where the tail was. What power there is in spiritualism! I shall be glad to receive, for publication, authentic information from all parts of the world in regard to the doings of pretended spiritualists, especially those who perform for money. It is high time that the credulous portion of our community should be saved from the deceptions, delusions and swindles of these blasphemous mountebanks and impostors. End of chapter 12